Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. Yes, yes, yes. Things are getting close. Things are moving. And we got some big new bits of information going on here. Now, just a little bit of a programming note up front. You know, there is a little bit of an inconsistency to the quality of the podcast. It's because I am trying out different audio editing software and plugins in order to try and push this up to the highest quality that I can find. So there is going to be a little bit of a back and forth between, you know, this one's better quality, this one's lower quality. And then once I find out what the best one is, then it gets consistent. Okay. Welcome to all the new listeners that have been joining ever since I've gotten out of Facebook and Twitter and their censorship and moved over uh, to Parler, started moving over to MeWe and a few other social networks. This podcast has been growing. And that's what we need is conservative voices rising up, funding the conservative movement, especially those who are looking to become more generals instead of sideline cheerleaders. And that is one of the issues I have with a lot of predominant conservative voices is that they're more than willing to just sit on the sidelines and be cheerleaders going rah, rah, rah. You know, this is outrageous, but then never do anything about it. I've been laying forth a plan on how we can politically and peacefully destroy the Democrat Party. The only thing that we need at the particular point in time is funding so that we can go out and do the recruitment and engage in the activities. Okay. So there's a lot of things that are moving right now. You know, I, I need a better translator. You know, I, I do. And you know what? I don't do a whole lot of editing as far as what I say. So I need something like, I like Dan Bongino's bell. You know, you got the little bit up front and then you dive right into it. Okay. So there's a lot of uh, things that have been moving, a lot of new bold statements that have been made by President Trump's lawyers, right? along with some shifts that are going out on. And so let's go ahead and dive into that. So as you remember, Wayne County, Michigan, Wayne County, Michigan initially decided that they were going to stand up to all of this election fraud. And they said, no, we are not going to certify this vote. You know, there's too much fraud. And then all the leftists, you know, social justice warriors and all that came out claiming they're racist and started doxing them and threatening their family. And then they had caved, right? They had caved and they went ahead and certified the vote, knowing that it was fraudulent. Well, now we're on the other side of the roller coaster where the two Republicans have come out yet again and said, you know what? We're rescinding our certification. There is just way too much fraud, way too much irregularities for us to have any faith or confidence in this electoral outcome. And so now the left is all up in arms. And what did they expect? There is too much evidence of fraud. There is too much irregularity. There are so many things that need to be investigated in order to determine the outcome, the legitimate outcome of the election. And going off and engaging in terrorist activities and trying to, you know, dox them and threaten their family in order to get your way. Well, guess what? That may have worked in the past. But we as Republicans, we've learned to grow a backbone because we see the growing tyranny that is coming down the pipeline. And so we're on this little bit of a roller coaster. Now, I have my own suspicions about things that really happened in this election based off of what Trump is saying and his lawyers are saying and a piece of legislation that or executive order that was signed back in 2018. Now, I'll get to my theory here in just a moment. Now, what we are reaching in this particular point in time is what I'd like to call the calm before the storm, right? The calm before the storm. We got a little bit of that, you know, storm already, you know, with what's happened in Wayne County. They won't certify. Yes, they're certifying. Oh, they're rescinding the certification. We got all these lawsuits uh, that are going on in Nevada, Arizona, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia. You know, the, there was already so much going on, but now we are getting into that calm, you know, such as the eye of the storm, where information is going to start coming slower and slower for, you know, a few days, where all the media interviews are just going to pretty much repeat everything that we already know. And there's a couple of reasons. You know, one is you only release so much information publicly when you're going to court. 
right, when you're engaged in certain operation. You only release just enough to let the other person know that they are caught, but not so much that you let them know what you have, your biggest piece of evidence, so that they can't try and go and engage in cover-ups and try and destroy the evidence. Now, in the meantime, the media is going to try and convince you that this is over, that you know there is no coming back, Trump doesn't have a prayer, and that it's all president-elect Joe Biden. That's all the stories, because they think that because of what happened in Gore, they believe the reason why Gore lost is because of public perception. The public just didn't believe him as president-elect. No, the reason why Gore lost is because he didn't get the vote. That's what happened. In this particular situation, Trump got the votes, but it's through a lot of fraud and shenanigans and vote-switching software that he didn't you know, get you know, announced right away as winner and reelected to his second term. Okay, so the media thinks that if they just, you know, say president-elect Joe Biden enough times, promote this fake office of the vice president, I mean, office of the president-elect, sorry, there really is an office of the vice president, but there is no office of the president-elect. They think if they say that enough and then go out there with their usual hysteria, people are going to die, that that's going to pressure Trump into conceding and ignoring all the election fraud. So here is a little bit of the media trying to engage in that tactic. Right now, the Trump administration is refusing to work with the Biden transition team. So right now, the Biden team has not been able to talk to Dr. Fauci or the COVID-19 task force or get any information on Operation Warp Speed or the logistical nightmare distributing a vaccine will be once it's approved. And right now, the Biden team is saying this is hurting them on multiple fronts, including not being able to prepare for what would happen once they take office, including uh, preparing for a potential mask shortage or even figuring out what restrictions should be put in place for these hot spots that are popping up all across the country. We heard earlier that the leaders of several healthcare associations are rebuking the president in an uncharacteristic way, telling him that, hey, you need to really work with the Biden transition team because this is really critical and American lives are on the line. Well, the media is just disgusting, aren't they? They know there is just like no bottom to how low they will go. So they're going off here and trying to demand that this election is over. Joe Biden is the winner. The election isn't over. A winner hasn't actually been declared. The media doesn't have any authority to decide the election, but to them, Joe Biden is the winner. And Trump is just stopping the transition team from being able to get the information they are entitled to. And as a result, people are going to die. You know, you would think, you would think that the media would have learned by now that they can't bully President Trump into doing anything that they want. No, the, the election is not over. There is no declared winner at this particular point in time. And Joe Biden is not the president elect, at least not at this particular moment in time. And there is no coordinating with the transition team because right now, There actually is no transition team because there is no president-elect to transition to at this particular moment in time. The election is completely contested, and it's completely contested in a lot of ways because of what I think is going on. Now, we're going to be going into a period of silence here uh, coming up where, like I said, we're not going to get any new information. Things are going to look like they're moving really slowly. And they're going to look for a moment as if Trump's legal challenges are dead in the water and that that it's all over and that there's a slow realization of defeat. At least that's going to be the media's narrative of what the coming silence is going to be. And that is because we are hitting the eye of the storm and they just think, well, if they push it, if they push it just enough and convince just enough people then through public perception, they can th- uh, pressure all these judges. Don't you dare. Don't you dare undo the fraud. Don't you dare undo all the illegal activities. People think Joe Biden is the president-elect at this particular point. Do you know what chaos will ensue, what violence will erupt if they find out that he's not actually the president-elect? How much people's world are going to be thrown upside down? Ooh. You know, the, the, so don't you dare. They, but this is not a situation in which the court of public opinion 
matter. It, it, it just doesn't matter. The court of public opinion is not going to determine the outcome of the election, at least not at this particular point. The court of public opinion was everything leading up to the election. This is going to be done in actual court, not by a bunch of know-nothing TV hosts reading a teleprompter who have no idea what they're talking about. They don't understand the Constitution. They don't understand uh, the laws. And they're not the ones sitting on the bench ruling on the cases. They have absolutely no part in this process. And they have acted completely and totally irresponsible in all of this. Now, let me go ahead and give you my theory up front about what had happened. See, if you remember back in 2018, President Trump did something kind of odd. And he signed some legislation or an executive order uh, regarding foreign interference in the election. It went unnoticed by a lot of people because we're just like, yeah, you know, whatever. But this is starting to more and more look like they use the election and they use President Trump's, you know, enormous ability to drive out voters, you know, his unique talent to bring out voters in such large numbers that they use that to engage in a sting operation. That's right. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this boldly. You know, I am predicting that what we are finding out, that what we are going to find out later is that this was a sting operation, that they were monitoring the election. They were monitoring the data transmission, that they were taking a look at whether or not these companies, Dominion and Smartmatic and such, whether or not they were altering the votes as they have been accused of in other countries, right? So yes, I'm going to go off and make that prediction here that this was a sting operation. And I'm making that prediction because how fast things have gone at this particular point from the claims of voter fraud and ballot stuffing to how fast they narrowed in on Dominion and Smartmatic software and how fast we have been able to uncover all of the connections, George Soros, Clinton Foundation, Pelosi's former chief of staff, and all of that, how fast the information was coming out, it's almost as if they had already started the investigation before the election happened, and they were monitoring the election to see what they actually did. Now, as I say this, I want to make it perfectly clear. I do not have any contacts inside of the government. I have zero contacts within the Trump administration justice department or anywhere this is just me purely speculating based off of what we are seeing here throughout you know the media and what the trump administration has done and all of these odd things that are going on not just with the lawsuits but what is going on in michigan and you know whether they're sharing certain information to certain key you know republican areas to let them know what they have found as far as election fraud in order to help prop up their backbone? Maybe. I don't know what conversations happen behind the scenes there, but I'm just going off of pure speculation that this may have been, in part, a sting operation on a company long suspected to be engaged in election fraud. And this idea that this is a sting operation, that they were already monitoring these companies before the election, comes from something that, well, Sidney Powell, in an interview, when being asked about, hey, what's taking so long? Why haven't you filed the lawsuit? Now, part of it was her saying, well, we got to get everything in the right forms. We got to get everything into the right documentation. But then she says two other bits of information that I had found quite interesting. Take a listen. It's a matter of uh, collecting it in the right form and format to be admissible. And we have witnesses that are scared. We have witnesses that are afraid for their lives, afraid for their family. Uh, back in Venezuela, there are all kinds of concerns. People have been threatened, and uh, it's, it's very serious. We're talking about trillions of dollars of worldwide wealth here that was all corrupt. And every force in the world, except 80 million voters, we the people and my little team, seem to be against us. Now, did you catch that? Please, please, please tell me you caught that. Okay, so in case you did miss it, she was going off and talking about how this isn't all about translating all the evidence into the proper format for the courts, which it's like, okay, you know, these bureaucratic, you know, rules and, you know, formatting issues. Okay, okay. But 
The other two parts was very interesting. And that is one, witnesses. Witnesses are scared. Well, of course they're scared. We know why they're scared. You remember that a whistleblower from the post office who came out and informed of what was doing and how they were only delivering mail for Joe Biden, but not for President Trump or the ballots for him? And he came out and then federal agents with, you know, with oversight over the post office went in and tried to intimidate him, tried to force him to recant his statement, how they denied him an opportunity to be with his lawyer or to have his lawyer present during all the proceedings and that they kept him in the room until they could coerce him to sign a statement. And then how shocked they were when it turned out that that entire time, you know, what we can call witness tampering at this point uh, was all caught on audio because he was wearing a wire and they didn't realize he was wearing a wire. So if that was just within the post office, imagine how much more is going on to try and threaten and silence the whistleblowers and all these people signing affidavits as to what they have seen, what the, what they have discovered, especially those with more inside knowledge in, in Dominion and Smartmatic, and how they are probably, yes, their families are being threatened, especially if they are outside of the United States. I mean, just look how much they were threatening those uh, two Republicans in Michigan to get them to certify the votes how they doxed them, let everybody know this is where they live. And oh, even went off and started threatening their kids if they did not certify the votes. So yes, you know, there is a lot of attempts going on right now to tamper with the witnesses, to threaten them with physical and bodily harm and threaten their family. So yes, I know that witnesses are scared. This is why uncovering corruption at this level is always so hard getting people willing to risk their own lives or even more risk the safety of their family to bring this corruption to light. These people, you know, it takes a lot of cojones for that. But also, did you catch that trillions of dollars at stake here? Meaning that, you know, some of the world's richest people are involved in this election rigging scandal internationally, right? This is why there is a lot more a reason for the witnesses to be scared. You got people, the top 1% around the world, you know, the richest of the rich who are involved in this election scandal in rigging elections in multiple countries. But of course, if they control who gets into office, then they get to control the laws, the policies, and all the things that benefit themselves. And investigating this election fraud, especially with all the witnesses that are coming forward, puts all that at risk, puts all their power but more importantly, it puts all of their money at risk. And they're not going to go down without a fight. They're not going to go down, roll over, and play dead while all their power, money, and influence gets destroyed. They're going to do everything they can to protect themselves. They're going to do everything that they can in order to try and protect their wealth and power. Now, whether or not that's going to work, I don't think so. You know, this is one of the great things about President Trump that we have noted many times over on this podcast and throughout all of conservative media is that Trump being so independently wealthy and having already taken on the establishment of both parties, the media and Hollywood, and still made it into the presidency in 2016 and how he has been unrelenting, you know, and hasn't been bowing down to any of the pressure campaigns by the left has been so great. Because, you know, he doesn't need to worry about anything. He is pretty much untouchable by all of these powers that be. Especially now, at this particular moment in time, as he sits in the Oval Office as President of the United States, he is highly untouchable by all these people that are trying to rig elections around the world. They can't get to him. The only thing that they can hope is to stop the exposure of this election fraud and to try and get him out of office so that Biden, you know, their little puppet will be the ones in office bowing down to all of their demands. And we already see that. Uh, if you take a look at, you know, Biden and who he's appointing to his transition team and who he plans on nominating as cabinet members, it is the swamp. It is the deep state swamper. You know, he's not going off and actually placating to the left. He's putting oil executives in there. And so, 
you know, they got their little puppet there hoping that if they can just run the clock out, that they got their puppet. You know, we already see, you know, instances such as China and other uh, tyrants around the world who are now suddenly getting a backbone back going, oh, yes, we are back. And all you people that sided with Trump and decided to ignore us, now you're going to pay. You're going to bow to our authority. China's already threatening Australia. Do you hear about that? China is already threatening Australia, thinking that they got away with this. And yes, I know China has some involvement in this. We know that Russia has some involvement in this. We know that the Biden's connections to China and the Communist Party in China goes deep. We know Venezuela. Pretty much take a look at every tyrant around the world that Trump is pissed off, and you can pretty much guarantee they have some level of involvement in this. Uh, And they've been going off and engaging in this in numerous other countries. And of course, we have suspected election fraud throughout the world. We only have to take a look at what's happening in other so-called democracies and take a look at all of this and going, how could the hell could that person get reelected? They are a complete and total disaster. Are the citizens of those countries complete and total morons? No, they're not. They're not morons. They just don't actually have a say in who their elected leaders are because all of their elections are completely rigged. We take a look at all over Europe, right? And the morons and leadership there and how they are destroying European countries with these insane left-wing policies, you know, completely insane. Open borders, you know, um, Im- you know, immigrants or so-called refugees are immune to the law and prosecution. You know, all of the crackdowns on speech and the sharing of information is not because the Europeans themselves are stupid. It's because they don't actually have free and fair elections. And maybe this is why there was a lot of people trying to blow back on Blexit, you know, where they were, you know, I don't know how they got past the election rigging there when they were able to vote and say, yes, we are leaving the European Union and we're taking back sovereignty. And in doing that, was there some coordination between Britain, you know, the UK and with the United States and tracking election fraud. Now that could be interesting. Again, I'm just speculating on that. I'm just speculating. I don't have the insider information. I'm just going off and trying to put all the little pieces and puzzles together of all the different activities and all the things that have happened throughout the last four years that, you know, didn't really make a whole lot of sense at the time or, you know, was big but we didn't catch how big it really was. And so it's it's kind of amazing how my mind works a little bit because I do have a little bit of an ADHD, but I start being able to see little bits and pieces of a puzzle. And I now start seeing them coming together, being able to connect things that at the time seemed you know unremarkable, didn't really seem like it had a whole lot of significance that I can now see as being vital or important to a sting operation to catch international election rigging. Now, whether or not that turns out to be true, I don't know. But here's what we also know. There's another social media company out there. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called LinkedIn. Now, unlike Facebook and Twitter and all that, LinkedIn is centered all around your professional business. You know, it's basically, you know, where you have uh, a copy of your resume as your profile. And what you share on there is more business and industry related uh, articles. So, you know, you can go off and highlight what your business achievements have been, the awards you've received. You could go through and take a look at, you know, what people are reading to keep up with what's going on in all of these businesses and all of these industries and where you can go in and then start easily applying for jobs. There's an interesting thing going on over there now. If you go off and you take a look at uh, or do a search for Dominion, right? Dominion software, you know, under company profiles, you get a list or at least a number of how many people on LinkedIn are employees of Dominion, you know, just through their profiles. And it's really interesting because we're seeing that number drop rapidly because there's a lot of people who are connected to Dominion that are now scrubbing their LinkedIn profile that are now removing everything that connects them to Dominion. And we're seeing a lot of people trying to go off and go into a little bit of a hiding period here, realizing that, hey, 
they were caught, you know? And so regardless of what they try to say publicly, especially as we go into the calm before the storm, they know that they're caught. They can take a look at everything that Sidney Powell has been saying, you know, and Linwood. They could take a look at what the affidavits are alleging. And while they may try and deny it on a public level, as they read that, they know they were caught. They know that the Trump administration has the goods. Trump's legal team has the goods on them. And so now they're stalling as they try to scrub all connections individually to Dominion because they're going to try and hide out. They're going to try and you know go into hiding for a while and hope that they don't get caught. I mean, that's my read on it as everybody is now you know, removing any and all association to Dominion and Smartmatic on their public profiles. And why not? That person who went undercover into Antifa, you know, who has come out and said, hey, these Dominion executives were on conference calls with Antifa members, assuring them that they have made, that they have rigged it, that Trump will not win. So that is always interesting. So the fact that Dominion employees are people associated with Dominion are now running and running scared should be a good sign and indication of things to come. Now, we also keep gathering more and more information on the extent of the election fraud. We have seen data analysis doing all types of things, taking a look at the vote, the vote count hour to hour or minute to minute, you know, for every change in the reporting of the vote count and seeing how often the votes were being switched. I mean, the reason why this was so sloppy, you know, if Trump was any other president or any other candidate, it would have gone unnoticed, right? Because in a typical election year, you know, yes, you get a more turnout than a midterm, but people haven't been involved so much in the election. They don't really go out and vote in mass. You know, you don't really get all that high of a turnout as a percentage of the population. You might get 30, 40% of the population actually engaged in the election. It's simply because of Trump's unique ability to drive massive voter turnout that all of these irregularities, all this fraud is being exposed because they had to go to extreme levels in order to try and defeat Trump. And even there, with their best estimates, they severely underestimated Trump because there has been a bit of an active campaign out there for people when they are contacted by pollsters to give them false information, to go out and tell them, no, no, I'm voting Joe Biden because we wanted we wanted them to have bad data in which to go off. of. Now, I was giving them bad data saying, yes, I'll vote Joe Biden. Yes, definitely Joe Biden. And then I went in and voted Donald Trump. I did that because I wanted them to get so overly confident, so overly arrogant that they didn't think that they had to campaign as much, you know, and then, you know, be taken by surprise as Donald Trump crushes them because with bad data, they make bad decisions, especially campaigning. But all of that bad data that we've been trying to go off and give them may have also translated into, you know, as they were warning the shy Trump effect, you know, the shy Trump voters may have also led them to underestimate how much they had to engage in election rigging and fraud. And then when they got caught with their pants down, hey, we haven't rigged this enough, their last minute scramble caused them to make a lot of really sloppy mistakes. So let's go ahead and take a look at one more bit of interesting data through all of the research that also highlights, uh, if you don't want to call it election fraud, we'll call, uh, call it highly irregular. In the Democrat stronghold of Milwaukee County, Biden got four and a half percent less turnout than Obama did in 2012. But just north in Ozaki County, Biden got 39% more voter turnout than Obama did in 2012. And Ozaki went overwhelmingly for Trump in 2016. That's an amazing gain that statisticians find very, very hard to believe, and it could suggest fraud at play. But it doesn't stop there. In four additional Wisconsin counties to Ozaki, Biden beat Obama's 2012 vote tally by 83,000 votes. But he only beat President Trump by 20,000 votes statewide. Now, none of this makes any sense. 
Hounsell says if you pull out the five counties in Wisconsin due to pervasive fraud, Trump would win Wisconsin, hands down. And he's uncovering similar irregularities in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Arizona, and Nevada. And lastly, and this is key, Hounsell is not seeing these types of anomalies in any other states. Only these states where it mattered most. Now, let me break this down for you here. The most important part of that entire clip, and that is the statement that all of these anomalies that we keep seeing throughout the election, all of these things that don't make sense, that are huge indicators of fraud, they're only popping up in these select swing states, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and and to a large extent, Arizona and Nevada, but only those states. And what's even more interesting is that they're only appearing in the counties of those states that are highly populated, Democrat-controlled counties. Outside of these counties, in these swing states, you do not see these anomalies happening anywhere. And what's even more interesting is if you go back and track, is that where these anomalies are popping up are only in the places where on election night, when Trump had huge leads, they suddenly stopped counting the votes. They, they just stopped. They said, okay, for the first time in election history, or at least in modern election history, we're not going to know the results of the election on election night. We're not going to report what the count is and who the winner of the state is. You know, we're going to stop the count at 80%. They get through the first 80% of the vote count on election night and then take another three, four days to get through the last 20%. In fact, they're not even done counting. They're still counting the votes, even though they got through 80% of it on election night. Why is it taking so long? So we got all these anomalies that indicate fraud only in, uh, happening in select districts of key swing states that stopped counting on election night inside these select places in which over the next two, three days of counting the votes, there was so much chaos and turmoil of blocking poll watchers from being able to observe the account, from being able to block access, to being able to observe the legitimacy of the mail-in ballots, where only Democrats were allowed to have access, unrestricted access. Isn't that amazing? And that is a consistent theme of this election, is that we have all these anomalies that make absolutely no sense happening only in swing states, but also only happening in select key districts of these swing states. And then when you get outside of those key districts of these swing states, you do not see these anomalies anywhere. I mean, that right there is a lot of evidence of shenanigans, of fraud. We've gone through and we've taken a look at all of the anomalies that are popping up, at least all the ones that I can track. We've seen uh, over 118,000 mail-in ballots with impossible postmarks, such as being received before they were sent. We've been able to go through and take a look at how ballots were sent to the same person multiple times because they are on multiple voter rolls from having moved around. How people were showing up to vote in person only to be told, you can't vote. We already received a mail-in ballot in your name and they didn't vote. We are seeing this time and time again. And then we're also seeing the Democrats running scared, trying to demand that there be no you know, investigation into this election. No, 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 you can't question it. You can't look at it. Move along, move along. You know, Don't you dare question the outcome. And the media is surprisingly disinterested. You know, every journalist wants to become the next Woodward and Bernstein to uncover massive fraud in the election. You know, something that could take down a presidency or a presidential candidate. And yet they're oddly willing to ignore all of this without a second thought. You know, and there's a lot of indications of Watergate here. I know everyone wants to compare things to Watergate, but let's actually take a look. Watergate, outside of Woodward and Bernstein, who kept pressing the story, kept investigating. No other journalist was interested. No, no one else believed it in the journalistic community. They all said, no, this is just, you know, unbelievable. This is, you know, we don't understand it. You know, the evidence that you are finding, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense. But then we find out what the end result of Watergate is, is that Woodward and Bernstein caught a whiff of connection, followed it, 
kept digging into it. And eventually they were able to find and uncover what happened with Watergate. And we're seeing that now where all the establishment media, all the people of power are out there saying, no, this doesn't make sense. No, th- this couldn't happen. Oh, we just don't you know, believe any of this. And yet it's only people on the conservative side and not Fox News by any means, but all the people who are looking to be able to make a big name for themselves that are going through and pouring through the data that are reporting on the information that we are finding that are going off on all the irregularities. And as they do, people are flocking to them. You know, we've seen that the huge shift in ratings in which Newsmax is going from kind of a small operation, you know, no bigger than what you would see, you know, a local news channel have to now competing with the big dogs and the major cable networks. We're seeing ratings on OAN starting to go through the roof as well. We're seeing that, you know, Fox News is tanking and that they're starting to have a bit of an identity crisis. It's all the people out there that are looking to finally be able to push their networks to the top to solidify themselves as great journalists, as the next Woodward and Bernstein, who, who, by the way, Woodward and Bernstein, they had one accomplishment in their entire career, and they've been riding that wave for you know 50 years since. I mean, it, it is really amazing how that goes off. But it's only the people that are going off and really wanting to establish themselves as the hard-hitting journalists that are on this story and going through all of the data. Now, there are other interesting things that are coming about. And you know what? I'm going to be making an announcement. Oh, I don't know. Here soon, uh, maybe this weekend or maybe uh, next week at some point. But I'm going to be making an announcement, letting you know what it is I want to try and do over the next two years in which I will need drastically your support in order to pull off. But for now, I want to get into something that I initially dismissed and maybe I shouldn't have. So I was following Sydney Powell on Twitter and taking a look at some of the things that she's retweeting and posting herself along with Lynn Wood. Now, luckily, Lynn Wood, though, is also on Parlor. They're both on Parlor, it seems, but they're not very active on Parlor. I'm not sure why that is. And Parler is, of course, growing. You got a lot of you know, people with large audiences moving over to Parler. But you're also getting people like Devin Nunes on Parler. You've got a little bit of a Sydney Powell on Parler. You see the Trumps have been moving to Parler. Now, come on, Donald Trump. Where are you? Even your kids are on Parler now. Come on, where are you? But we also see you know, con- you know, Republicans in office moving over to Parler as well, you know, but for some reason, Trump's lawyers are not really very active over there on Parler. I don't get it. So it's forcing me to still go to Twitter in order to keep up with everything that they are doing and saying and looking for little indicators of where they are going. And they posted uh, an, a report from OAN, One American News Network, and it caught my eye because it was regarding something that I had already talked about but then told you, I don't believe this aspect. It just seems too much of a conspiracy, you know, that I haven't really seen any evidence of. And that is the hammer and scorecard operation. Hammer and scorecard. Now, there's a lot of people have been talking about how the CIA developed some software uh, back in the Bush administration and have been keeping up with it and updating it to be able to target the elections of foreign countries and then be able to change uh, the results of their election in order to get uh, candidates or politicians through these elections that would be favorable to the United States. Now, Canada, you know, Canada is laughing at us and going, wait, you let computers do all of your vote counting? You don't have, you don't use paper records of the vote? And then brag about over up there in Canada, every vote is done by paper ballot." Because they don't trust the computers for accurate results. They don't trust the software companies and the corporate executives to run their election. So, you know, it kind of stings here a little bit that Canada is now mocking us uh, regarding our election because we used uh, the computers and electronic files instead of paper ballots in order to engage in the election. Now, in my state, we still use the paper ballots, at least 
when you vote absentee and all that. But if you vote in person, yes, it's all on the computer screen and then it prints off your ballot. And I make sure to check mine when it prints off to, because I don't trust the computers anyways. But anyways, Sidney Powell retweeted this article and or this story from OAN and it caught my eye. So let's go ahead and listen to what that a report had to say. Retired Lieutenant General Thomas McInerney, who was formerly the Assistant Vice Chief of Staff of the U.S. Air Force, says two pieces of software called Hammer and Scorecard are being used by Democrats as a superweapon for voter fraud. People must understand that this software was used to overturn the 2020 election. The first time in the United States' history that massive amounts of uh, of cyber warfare have been used in our voting system. McInerney says the software was designed all the way back during President George W. Bush's first term in office. Hammer is a surveillance software developed by the CIA. The programmer was Dennis Montgomery. He developed this in 2003 to go after radical Islamists. Scorecard is a program that was developed for CIA that manipulates uh, voting booths. McInerney explained Scorecard was intended to overturn elections in foreign countries to install leaders favorable to the United States. Holy crap. Now, I've heard this theory about Hammer and Scorecard, and I've heard that there was some government insider who had confirmed that Hammer and Scorecard existed, but I never believed it. Even when OAN reported on it, I was like, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's okay. You got a little more credibility to it, but I'm not sure. And then Sidney Powell retweets this. And so now I'm like, holy crap, is this real? Is this something that could actually be used? And what if, you know, a hammer and scorecard, as far as that goes, what if that was actually built into the software itself so that you didn't even need to remotely hack it? Even though everyone's talking about how this was one of the least secure voting machines in the history of the United States that is easily hackable and that there was virtually no security. So, of course, you know, hammer and scorecard, if it exists, which I am now starting to believe it does, would be able to easily accomplish that. Now, I'm still leaning on the part where the vote switching was built into the software itself. And how I'm guessing that this is going to go is that the software, maybe at the machines itself, was not necessarily, you know, the, where all of the vote switching went. Now, maybe it had gone through and it had, you know, with the QR codes and all that and printed data that didn't correlate to what was actually on the printed sheets. But what I'm guessing here is all of the conversations about, you know, how the election results were being sent overseas before coming back here is that I'm guessing it's over in those foreign servers and uh, database where all of the vote switching took place, you know, because it would be easy to catch it in the machines you get, you know, at least you would assume, but it could have been built into the software itself to change the voting, you know, at the machines, but then do even more vote switching and calculations of the vote switching overseas where the data was sent first, or it could have just been done through hammer and scorecard. Who knows? What we do know is that going forward, we can no longer rely on electronic voting. Everything needs to be done by paper, paper ballots. You know, it was only uh, in the 2018 midterm that my state used just electronic voting, you know, that we had gone through and no, actually come to think of it, it wasn't even the 2018 midterms. It was in the uh, primaries this year that we switched over where they started using uh, you know, touch screens and then printing off your ballots. Before that, it was all just, here's your ballot, here's a marking uh, you know, pin, there you go, you go to a booth, you fill in the bubbles, and then you put it uh, on a machine that, uh, that feeds it in to the vote count right, and keeps track of how many ballots have been received by that vote machine. You know, but holy moly, hammer and scorecard. And what if Hammer and Scorecard was built into the software? Or was the vote switching done overseas? I don't know. At this particular point in time, all we know is there was a lot of shenanigans and a lot of irregularities, especially in the data, 
that point to a lot of fraud having taken place in this election. Okay, now just a couple more things. So there was uh, the, the report about the raid on the servers for CIDL, where supposedly all of our election results resided. And there was some confirmation by the Gateway Pundit about you know a raid having taken place. But apparently, we're getting confused about the raid, that yes, there was a raid, but it wasn't a raid on CIDL for elections. It was a raid on you know, a server facility in which hacked material from law enforcement and justice department uh, material was being stored. Our FBI and law enforcement records uh, were hacked and this is where they were stored. I mean, that's what, that's the story that we're getting right now is that, you know, yes, there was a raid, but no, it wasn't for the election. It was for this other thing. So I don't know. I I, I don't know. At this particular point in time, I can see the idea of the Trump administration going off there and reporting false information to give the Democrats a false sense of security and so that they can be completely and totally surprised. Now, there are other things uh, that are going on here as far as the election, things that don't make sense, such as in Pennsylvania, where they're saying Biden won. And we saw the vote switching happen on CNN. But here's an interesting little data point. In Pennsylvania, the Republican Party increased in voter registration. People who had registered as Republicans saw significant increases in this election, while Democrats actually lost registration, lost registered voters in this election. And they're still saying Biden won? Uh, wait, what? I, I, how is that? You know, th- th- they lost voters, voter registration. People switched party affiliation over to Republican. And the Democrats having less registered voters in 2020 than they did in 2016. And we're still trying to say that Biden, who did no campaigning and had absolutely no enthusiasm behind him, won. I mean, that is interesting. Another little shift here. It turns out the Durham report is back on. So there was uh, this report that had come out that said, Durham is wrapping up his investigation. No indictments, you know, know, and that he is afraid to continue along the investigation because he's afraid of what the Biden administration would do to him if he keeps pursuing this. Well, all of a sudden, there's a reverse course on that where they're coming out and saying, no, 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 that was false reporting. We're still investigating and I'm going to keep investigating until all the crimes and the people involved in those crimes are uncovered. Now, this is interesting. You know, that they're now making sure to point out that the investigation is not going away in any way, shape, or form. And for these bureaucrats, for these longtime government employees, especially those that generally serve at the whim of the president, for them to come out and have a backbone and not back down from investigating Democrats, they must have something. They must have something that points to the idea that Biden is ultimately not going to get into the White House, that this election fraud is ultimately going to fail, you know, because people in government tend to go through and want to save their own neck. So they don't stick them their necks out to investigate election fraud and all that, at least not of Democrats, unless they have something solid. With Republicans, they'll investigate all day. They know there won't be any repercussions for, you know, going off and engaging in endless investigations of Republicans that have no basis to it because they know they have the support of the Democrat Party and everyone in the media. Okay, just one last thing before we wrap up this episode. So there was this hearing on Capitol Hill uh, regarding Facebook and Twitter. Now, I generally don't pay attention to these hearings anymore because nothing results from them. No action is ever taken. They never suffer the consequences. But this hearing felt a little bit different than the other hearings rather than just going out there and, you know, looking good for the cameras. Turns out there's an insider at Facebook leaking information to the Republicans in the Senate. Isn't that amazing? And um, Mark Zuckerberg was blindsided a couple of times, left, you know, speechless for a moment and had him, you know, really spinning around trying to really, you know, carefully choose his words. And some of the information that had come out is that Facebook 
is tracking you like the Communist Chinese Party tracks their citizens. They're not just tracking what you're doing on Facebook. They're tracking you throughout the entire internet, on all of your devices, on your computer, on your phone. They're tracking everything that you do, monitoring everything that you do, which is really scary. I mean, it's one thing to say, hey, while I'm on your platform, while I'm logged in, you could track what I'm doing on your site. It's another thing to say, even when I'm not uh, on your site, you're still tracking. me. So that is interesting. But another interesting piece was leaked information about how Facebook, Twitter, and Google are able to communicate and collude with each other to censor out certain stories, to squash certain hashtags, to block certain links to certain websites how they're going off there and colluding to all together at once block information, censor the internet, suppress what our communication. Wow. Unbelievable. Them colluding together like that. Now, of course, he tried to spin and come up with an excuse for it, but wow. And you wonder why you got Rise and platforms like Parler and MeWe and a few others. You know, I'm thinking about joining another couple of free speech social media website because, wow, the organic growth on those sites is amazing, right? Especially on MeWe, that organic growth is just off the charts. Okay, so that's it for this particular episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, leave me a rating and a review so that other people can find this podcast and share it around. Let's get all conservative voices, whether it's my show or other up-and-coming conservative voices that have been squashed by censorship for so long, let's get them out there. Let's flood the internet with conservative content and conservative voices. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will be back again soon.